0: Live from Joe's mom's basement,
1: it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and have you ever won the Nobel Prize? No? Well, I was close to getting nominated back in 92 when I rewound my Ghostbusters tape before returning it to family video don't worry gen z we'll teach you what that means later speaking of peace prizes the first nobel prize was given out on this day in 1901 and today we welcome a guy who deserves to be nominated based on his commitment to financial literacy we welcome the host of the fyi fly podcast hassan thomas today hassan helps us dissect the upsides of stealth wealth Should you hide how much money you have? Here to help us on, we welcome the woman probably up for the Nobel Prize for House Hacking. It's from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And from this podcast, say hello to OG. But that's not all. Of course, we'll have another session of this year's exciting trivia challenge. Can Paula pull off an upset as exciting as U of M over Ohio? Stay tuned to find out. And now, a guy who's known for his Ig Nobel appreciation of pumpkin spice lattes. I'm totally with you on this one, OG. It's Joe Salcijai.
0: Pumpkin spice is so good. It's absolutely good. I dare you to fight me on that because it is... It is wonderful. Sadly, we're on to uh, we're on to the next segment, which is uh, w- what peppermint. And, and I'm not as big a fan of peppermint. Hey, everybody, welcome to Friday on the podcast. That means we are live on the Fireside app, and uh, that also means we're going to have some fun with our contributors. First contributor, though, is a guy who's been contributing <laughs> to the podcasting game with me for nearly a decade. Mister OG is here.
2: Do I get a little pin when we hit? Uh, I, 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 I like it's coming up. I don't, don't, do, is there any official stat on when this thing started?
0: Don't we deserve like a pin or a watch or something? It is February, by the way, February of next year. I don't know the exact date, but it will be February. It will be our 10-year totally anniversary. I
2: just made that up, but I like it.
0: Yeah, cool. you know, it's February 11th. We should actually call it my birthday, which is in February. That'd be good. Uh okay. Also here, and a woman who maybe should win the Nobel Prize because she gets to hang, has to hang out with us. Every, well, she doesn't have to, so maybe, but uh, Miss Paula Pants here.
3: Wait, did, did you just say, did I understand correctly, February of 2022 is the 10-year anniversary of the show? Can you believe that? Wow. So what's amazing that, that I did not realize until just now is that uh, both of our business-aversaries are in February and February 2022, specifically the date two twenty two twenty two, is the 11 year anniversary of Afford Anything, the, the brand, not the podcast, but the brand. That, that sounds
0: that sounds about right. I mean, I can't believe we've known each other that long, and we're so young, Paula. I thought I Paula was going to say that the show is older than she is. <laughs> <laughs> so, it might be. <laughs> some days it feel like it, but not today. You know why, Paula? Why is that? Because we got the gentleman behind FYI Fly, the podcast. Hassan Thomas is here. How are you, man?
4: I'm doing great. Doing great. Happy to be here.
0: Dude, I'm so happy that you're here with us. We met finally at FinCon, and uh, you've got a heck of a brand, an awesome podcast. You just have Mr. Anthony O'Neill on the show, who's helping a lot of people in your community. But you mostly serve uh, high schoolers, college kids,
4: people that, are, people that are really just trying to get their footing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe financial literacy is truly the key to living the lifestyle that we want and deserve while avoiding making poor financial decisions. So that's why I decided to, you know, stick with my age range, my demographic of high school, college, and recent grad students, and really try to uh, promote financial literacy resources. So like I said, they can, you know, live the lifestyle of their dreams without having to make those poor financial decisions.
0: Hassan, you are far younger than I was when I finally got my butt interested in financial literacy. <laughs> when did you first get excited or were you excited the moment you were born?
4: <laughs> um, so it was pretty much my business mindset. I, I, my aunt, literally, she came over for Thanksgiving yesterday and she told me a story. Um, I was in the back of her car and she was driving and she was like, um, Hassan, what? who are you talking to back there? She heard me talking. And I was like, I got to get a plan to make some more money. <laughs> and I told her this while I was six years old. She was driving and I was just in the back seat. So I've always been, you know, business minded, business oriented. And I went to college in uh, Maryville College. It's right outside of Knoxville in uh, East Tennessee. And while I was in school, I just noticed the lack of financial education coming from my peers. I mean, I graduated with a business degree, a minor in accounting and marketing. So all of the classes that I took were, of course, you know, business-related, financial-related, but what about the art majors? What about the communication majors and those different type of majors that are not required to take financial literacy? If they weren't taught financial literacy at home, then they're graduating from college and going into the adult world not knowing how to manage their finances, grow their finances, and save money, and we can't have that.
0: It's always amazing. It's not about what you make. It's about what you keep, and I absolutely love what you do. We'll talk more about it here in a little bit, but we've got Hassan here. We've got OG here. We've got Paula. We got Doug. Today, we are going to talk about Stealth Wealth. Should you talk about your money? I think we might know Hassan's opinion on that based on what he just said, but first... You know, OG, while things still in many ways spin out of control, at the same time, I feel like there's a sense of normalcy, isn't there? Like, oh, we've been here before. Like this is last year combined a little bit with what came before that, and we get this hodgepodge, but it really hopefully feels a little more normal this holiday season. And Navy Federal Credit Union's cash reward card helps you slay the season. Get it? SL. E-I-G-8, yeah. Uh, You can earn up to 1.75% cash back on all purchases when you sign up for direct deposit. You can redeem points as soon as you earn them. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. That's NavyFederal.org, insured by NCUA. All right, now we're ready to go. Let's get this party started. Today's piece comes to us from a a website called financialchainbreakers.com. I I really like this piece. It's called Beyond Stealth Wealth Going on Offense. And what's interesting, part of the reason I like it is because I'm not sure how much of it I agree with. We're going to see, though, how much our panel agrees with. Because if you're not familiar with stealth wealth... Well, off the off the top Paula, you want to kick this off by telling us what the people at Financial Chainbreakers call stealth wealth, what their definition here is?
3: Yeah, well, so stealth wealth is not letting people know that you're wealthy or that you have a high income. So the the people who wrote this article, they own a house in Southern California, they have a BMW. Um those things are all very conspicuous forms of consumption, and stealth wealth is really the opposite of that. It's uh it's being keeping it on the down low
0: oh gee they bring up one reason for stealth wealth that i'm sure you must talk to your clients about which is self-protection right i mean i remember when i would work with physicians or i would work with people that had different titles in their name to take the titles back in the days when people used to write checks like take the titles off your checks take it off your correspondence because to protect your wealth means to make sure that you aren't as open to lawsuits is that still a thing today
2: Show of hands. Uh, who's written a check
0: in the last
4: 15 years?
0: I'm, I'm actually wondering based on it. Hassan, have you ever written a check?
4: Yes, yeah, So I have, but I had to get taught how to write right. a check. I did know how. So. Yeah. By your
1: grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I,
2: I mean, I, I understand. I understand the point here. It says self-protection, which is, which is like you said, to kind of stay out of the public eye, so to speak. Um, But the but but the author here she talks about um uh like you know you the IRS and family court are like the main conspirators here. And it's like, okay, well you can't lie to the IRS or hide stuff from the IRS and you can't hide from family court. Sure. Like, you know, I I suppose maybe if the lawyer saw you pulling up in a shiny new Range Rover or BMW or whatever, they might, you know, pay a little closer to attention, but you don't get to cherry pick what data you send to family court when you're like, you know, you're like, Oh, here's all my liabilities. I'm not going to show you all the assets. You know, like, it's just not a thing, but I do get the idea. I, I, I do understand the whole uh, uh, self-protection thing. And and I'll I'll give a different example of this. We live in a community that is, is fairly well known in North Dallas. And uh, when you call a contractor, We we always had the experience of like oh well if you're calling from that subdivision then our fees just went up twenty percent because if you live in that subdivision then you must have extra money and it's like wait a second Mm. just because I happen to have that zip code or just because I happen to have you know live in one of the ten thousand homes that's in the subdivision right does not put me on the same level as the people that live in the gated area you know on the golf course yeah but uh, but that actually happened to us we had some electrical work done. And, uh, you know, I got the bill for it. And I was like, there's no way we're paying this. The guy's like, well, you can afford it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? He, oh, yeah, he said that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So uh, so we had a, you know, we called the company and they took it off and all this other sort of stuff. But yeah, it, was, it happened. So I get that. I understand this, this point to some degree.
0: Yeah. Hassan, I want to ask you about reason number two to have stealth wealth, and that is it says here to eliminate competition. And and based on what you just said, that people in college not learning about, about money. I remember being in college, but I'm pretty sure it's the same today. I looked at the people that drove the nice car, I looked at the people that uh, that you know didn't have to have the cheap dorm room but had this great off campus pad. All those things that people did in college kind of help people get into to a lot of debt, and I guess their point is to eliminate all that. Do you agree with that?
4: Yes, I definitely agree. Um, you know, and that's why I'm definitely like you said, I'm glad you all picked this um topic because there's some things that I agree with and some things that I um don't necessarily agree with. But I I, I definitely see the the point in, you know, hiding your wealth or being stealth with your wealth, but I do think there's sometimes where Um, You know, in certain situations where you do need to be, you know, dressed to impress. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. if I was going to like a business meeting or, you know, a a conference, a business conference, um, I would want to me personally because my brand, you know, um, exemplifies being fly, being hip, being cool, because that's just me. (laughs) But. But so I would need I would need to, you know, exemplify that in the way that I dressed in the way that, you know, I carried myself. But if I didn't spend the money, to, it's like an investment into yourself, um, and, you know, at certain points. So if you're like I said, if you have a, a business or you're an artist or a, a singer, musician, musician and your aura and your and your brand is, um, you know, fly or, or looking good or looking hip, looking cool then sometimes that's not an expense, that's more of an investment in, in, in my in my eyes. But it's all about balance to be but, but-
0: honest. But what about, you know, the next reason they have down here, and I'm going to stick with you, Hassan, for, for this mm-hmm. very reason, is reason number three is to avoid being labeled. And it seems like, you know, we put a label on people that that, that they have a lot of money. Like we were talking about mm-hmm. OG, just because he lives in a certain zip code, people all of a sudden put a label on him. But if you're dressed great every single day, people may think then that you're somebody that just should always pick up the check at a restaurant.
4: <laughs> yes. And That's why I was kind of conflicted by this article because – I just don't feel that we should have to tone down our lives or not live our lives to the fullest just to appease or, mm. you know, s- stay out of other people's thought processes or, or however they're thinking about, you know, other people. I don't feel like we should necessarily live our lives in that way, worrying about and concerning um, what other people think of us. But and, and that's, why I'm, that's why I'm glad to be here today to discuss that, because it, it really is a balance. You know what I mean? Ignore them. You're saying psychology. Yeah. (laughs) um, Not necessarily ignore them, but it's, you know, you definitely want people to like you. You want to be well liked, but my, my biggest thing is you don't want to have to tone down or not live your life to the fullest just to appease someone else. That's, that's my main point um, that I would definitely love to, you know, talk, talk with the panel about.
3: Yeah. Paula, you on that train? Absolutely. The older I get, the more it becomes important to me to, and I I know this is an overused word, but authentic or genuine, like the more it becomes important to me to not live your life based on the perceived opinions of others. Because Frank, number one, most people aren't paying that much attention anyway. And number two, (laughs) if people don't like it, they'll adapt. Meaning how they'll
0: adapt. They will just not talk to you anymore or they'll get even more jealous.
3: (laughs) If you live your life Just as you are, um, then either people will decide that you're not for them. In which case, you're you're just not a good fit as friends, and they will exit out of your life. You know, the the right people will find your life, and the wrong people will um, filter themselves out of it. That can happen, or the other people who are around you will will get used to you. Like you know, they'll accept you. Um, It might be difficult at first. Like there might be some initial tension. But if they're going to remain part of your life, then they have to accept you if you're being who you are. Well, that's
0: interesting. Oh, gee, uh, you and I have a mutual friend that I was just complaining about to you just a few days ago, who he and I used to be great friends, but he won't stop bragging about his crap. And it's not that I'm not happy for him. I just get tired of the conversation always coming around to his ferrari it comes around to, he's got two different garages on his house about the fact that he's got three kitchens in his house i mean he's constantly just just bummed. small potatoes yeah, what really. he did, right, right. yeah i'm sorry joe i'll tone it back a he's little a, bit. he's just constantly Jeez, doug settle down man yeah just, i know I'm
2: right take a job easy on that, that uh I was just going to add a little bit to what Paula said there in, in something something else that uh, she said, you know, the right people will find you and the wrong people will leave. I think that, you know, you don't owe anybody an explanation, right? Sometimes we feel we have to do it. Now, I think there's also a difference between being like over the top gaudy about things and just being who you are. And and you also have to make sure that especially as you think about the future, that you surround yourself by people that continue to push you I have two hobbies, one of them is flying, and one of them is something different and the The one that 's different i have, have to be very cognizant of the people that I hang out with in that field because there 's lots of people who are really content where they are and If you get kind of trapped there, you know you you, you kind of sort of start taking on the you know, the sum of the parts, <laughs> you start kind of morphing into the people that you're hanging around with versus hanging around the people that are like always trying to grow, always trying to do a little bit better. This is a great example, you know, about being who you are, about flying. Flying is not an inexpensive hobby and uh, it's a little funky at first, uh, but I'm not ashamed by it. So when I go places, if there's an uh, opportunity for somebody to go with me, Joe, you and I took a trip to Austin. You were taking a train and I said, hey, I'm going to fly. I didn't make a big deal of it. You said I'd like to join you, and so you took your train ride to
0: Dallas. I took the train ride halfway, (laughs) you
2: know, (laughs) because six hours in a train was long enough, and and then we did the rest in an hour in the the Cirrus. So, I mean, but I obviously you and I know each other, but it could have been you know I could be way more over the top with stuff, yes, you know, and then and that's that's off putting for sure. But like Paula said, if you're you're just who you are, just be who you are. You know, I mean, maybe Paula didn't say that originally. Someone else said that.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I would just love to piggyback on what everyone's saying. And I have an actual personal example because I'm kind of going through it now as far as when I was in college last year, it it was 2019 was my senior year and I was playing football and then 2020 came and that's when I started my business and different things like that. But I actually started losing some of my college friends because while I was playing football, we all... I don't want to say seemed on the same level, but we all were doing the same thing. So we were all together and everything like that. But once we graduated and I started my business, started my company, things started looking pretty well for me. I started receiving some, you know, like like you said, it would be tough from the other people around you and the people that weren't for me, um, you know, they weren't supporting, they weren't, you know, um, um, receiving back my call. They weren't answering the calls and different things like that. And we just fell out, you know, we just stopped talking, but that was for the better because I've now where I'm at, it's the like-minded individuals for me. And that's one of the biggest things that I recognized when I was at FinCon, um, which is a financial conference that I met the, the great stack and vigilance cast at.
0: Oh, no, it was uh, our big moment meeting you. Shut
4: up. <laughs> shut up oh man but uh like i was saying just at a at fincon it was just amazing being around like-minded individuals and yeah. that was the biggest thing for me um because i usually can't talk of course you know just full out finance and nerd out with we, with you know my daily friends and you know some people that are still around my age and things but going to this conference and being around those people making those connections was really, really, really big for me. And, and I'm definitely in full agreement of the right people will be around. You know, Do what you have to do. Do what makes you happy. And like Paula said, the right people will be around, and everybody else will fall off, and that's okay.
0: In just a moment, we're going to have the second half of of this conversation, but that also means that it's time for our trivia challenge. And for those of you new to the show, we've got a year long challenge going on between our three contributors to the show, Paula OG and Mr. Len Penzo and Hassan today, you are playing on behalf of Len Penzo and I've got some good news and some bad news for you, my friend, which one would you like first?
4: Give me the bad and then hit it home with the good. <laughs> the bad, the bad news is then you
0: unfortunately are going to have to guess first because you are tied for first place, but you go first because Len's the returning champion. In fact, he's the two-time champion. So uh, you're going to be guessing first. Here, OG is tied with you at fifteen. You've won fifteen. OG's won fifteen. Paula Pant, you have won fourteen mostly because of your absence lately everybody <laughs> who's been in here on your behalf has been kicking ass for you so
3: well thank you to all of them <laughs> <laughs> but
0: but it but it makes me wonder are you going to keep it up today now that you're actually here dun 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 <laughs> the pressure's
3: on
0: we're about to know Well, and the good news for paula is that she gets to guess first so uh doug you ready with some trivia here absolutely not joe i have nothing but i'll make it up as i go
1: along all right then here we go hey there stackers on this basement's mother Teresa, joe's mom's neighbor doug well today's the day the nobel prizes are awarded you know between 1901 and now they've awarded 609 times but never once acknowledging the good that this guy has done for mankind in the area of basement peacekeeping Hell, it was me who created the DMZ here at the card table. And and Joe's mom knows that if you step one foot over the painter's tape marking off Joe's corner, he will bite you. And yet, every time he dozes off, you got OG over there trying to steal Joe's Flaming Ranch Doritos, inevitably waking him up. Then I got to bandage OG's hand and give Joe a face spritz with the spray bottle. <sighs> Well, you know, at least that's the way it happens in my head anyway. But no matter, let's get you today's trivia question, which is all about the Nobel Prize. Winners will receive $1,145,000 in real U.S. money. So let's see if our contestants can do some exchange rates because... You know, like the prizes given in Sweden, land of yodeling and St. Bernard's and neutrality. So riddle me this, contestants. How many Swedish kroners is that? I'll be back with the answer after I dab hydrogen peroxide on OG's
0: bites. You know, figure figuratively. Interesting question. Who can do exchange rates in their head? Who knows the exchange rate between uh, kroners and U.S. dollars? Hassan, uh, for better or worse, because you're representing the returning champion, you get the first guest here. How many kroners are there in 1,145,000 real U.S. dollars, or even fake U.S. dollars? Ooh, that's a tough one.
4: Uh, let's go... Hundred thirty five thousand.
0: A hundred thirty five thousand. OG, what are you thinking? I feel like I have
2: seen this written down somewhere, like as part of the prize, the prize number. Like, and then they get a tuxedo with tails and
0: <laughs> a lifetime supply of <laughs> rice a Yeah,
2: something like that. It's a much bigger number. Hassan's um, looking
0: at basically uh, ten dollars, right? Yeah, 10 to 1. At a 10 to 1.
2: I think it's 10 million. I think it's 10 million Chrome. You're going the other way. Whatever it's called. You you think it's closer to 10 cents. I'm I'm going 10 million.
0: Wow. So, Paula, you've got quite a field goal here. 10 to 1 one
3: way and then 10 to 1 the other way. Yikes. Well... Man, the pressure really is on. <laughs> that, there is only
0: three weeks left in the competition. So Paula's uh, going to ask us to re-record this episode with a guest <laughs> in her place.
2: <laughs> Do we play the Jeopardy music at any point in I know. Uh, I think we
0: have or, to... Uh,
2: we might have lost Paula.
3: <laughs> 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 no, we're I'm gonna, here. We're going to need an answer. I'm carefully weighing my words. I am going to... Uh, I'm, I don't know what the exchange is, but I'm going to assume that the value of one Swedish krona kroner is.
0: I think greater. according I think according to Paulette, a single one is a krona. Yeah, I've got her note here. Mm-hmm. Single is krona, and uh, kroner is the plural.
3: Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to assume that one kroner is great. One krona is greater than one dollar, which means that the the answer will be greater. Than one point one million U.S. dollars, um, so I'm closest without going over. We'll be no, less. I mean we'll be less closest closest
0: than you mean.
2: Would you stop helping her? She's on like minute six. I <laughs> <laughs> need a number.
0: I just, I'm just trying to do the math on her last sentence, and I, and I, she's going a different way.
3: I'm just gonna say the answer is five million.
0: And she splits the uprights. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's what she did.
3: That's not, that's not you. It, it,
2: is it is it tilted one way or the other by saying five million?
0: It I mean, is it is because yeah. uh because Hassan's at uh yeah, like hundred and thirty-five thousand, so yeah. she's a little closer to Hassan slash Len on this one. Ma'am, we would love to tell you who's right, but uh, of course we don't play that way. We will be right back with the answer. This episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget, well look no further than State Farm. You're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hassan, you kick this off and uh, with 135,000 kroner to... 1.145 or 1,145,000 US dollars after listening to OG and Paula how are you feeling about that guess
4: Man I'm still lost
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well the good news is is that uh, you thought it was a 10 to 1 ratio and uh, OG thought it was 10 to 1 the other way are you feeling good or bad about this OG I
2: think I'm pretty close
0: all right. Big uh, number. I remember seeing it. I, I can picture it in my mind. Okay. That is a big number. Paula, you trust OG f- having it in his mind, in his I, brain? I,
3: I, sure. Yes. <laughs> let's let's get to the answer. All right. Why? Already?
0: Oh, now she's <laughs> oh, in a hurry. Oh, here we go. All right. Doug, uh, Paula's in a hurry, so let's move. <laughs> hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor,
1: Doug. These awards have been given out since 1901, and those losers at the Nobel Prize Committee have been ignoring me. If you want the history on this sham, the prizes come from Alfred Nobel, who left 31 million kroner in his will to be distributed annually in the form of prizes to those who, during the preceding year, have conferred the greatest benefit to humankind. All that junk about saving the world, though, is nowhere near as important as finding out who's the winner of our huge trivia challenge, especially since there are only two sessions left in this year. So who's right this week? (coughs) Since one Swedish krona equals 11 cents and winners receive... $1,145,000 if you apply Banach's fixed point theorem of, course, following and allowing that holomorphic functions are analytic, and then, you know, you you carry the one, you'll have arrived at the obvious answer that Nobel Prize winners get, 10 million kroner, meaning OG is our (laughs) winner! See,
0: he hit it right on the money. How do you nail 10 million? How do you nail 10 million. I read it somewhere. That I is, never stood a chance. That is crazy. You're right, Paula. You had, yep. yeah, it they did not matter. It. And OG takes the lead. We got two weeks to go. And uh, man, exciting conclusion. He's peaking at the right time of the season, just like U of M. The team is coming together. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll take all that, but that last part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, hold
2: on. I'm texting Len.
0: we got to do that, but let's move into the second half of the show. Welcome back to the second half of our conversation about stealth wealth. The first half we talked about, if you can remember back, you know, seven or eight minutes ago, we, we, we talked about just how stealth wealth uh, and being quiet about your money might be a good thing. Now let's talk about the other side, why you might not want to be. And we kind of ventured into this a little bit with what Hassan, OG, and Paula talked about in the first half. By the way, second half of this conversation comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. Hassan, when you head to staggybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney, you know what you find when you go there? What is that, Bo? You, you find that that was nice. He's just like, nope, I have no idea. You find that those financial products you use every day at your brick and mortar bank, probably nowhere near best in class. Over 92% of the products available online, all ranked head to head at Magnify Money, like checking in accounts, savings accounts, CD rates. Maybe someday CD rates will be competitive again. dot slash Magnify Money, though, to check out how you're doing versus all those other things. All right. If you're in the audience, by the way, and you want to join us here for the second half of this conversation, Feel free to just hit the microphone because we'd love to also have you uh, hang out on stage with us if you'd like. But the the, the second half of this uh, last week, uh, Hassan, people on this show heard uh, the ladies from Bitches Get Riches talk about the pay gap and talk about how people being paid different amounts of money because of the fact that we don't talk about money. So it's very easy for employers to pay one person sometimes. In in uh, Kitty's case, half. Half of what somebody doing the same job was being paid. So is it more important
4: then that we talk about money so we bring other people along with us? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's kind of some of the, some of the, um, responsibilities that I'm taking upon FY fly is just educating the younger generation and really my first two seasons. So we started the podcast August 28th of last season, and we have 50 episodes now. And I guess that's a year in about four months. So these really first two episodes, I mean, the first two seasons of the podcast was really just foundational knowledge that I felt the younger generation needs to know. We had a lot of episodes about 401ks because they're literally, <laughs> including myself, when I had my first job at, at Kroger um, when I was four, 15, 16, I had no idea what a 401k was. Like, I, it just looked like numbers. They asked me yes or no, and I don't know what I'm um, you know, I don't know what I'm signing yes or no to, you know, so that's why I definitely feel it, it's super important that we're getting our youth involved in this conversation and really just everybody. Cause even, you know, the older, some of the older generations haven't learned this financial information.
0: Right. So now, huge. Y- yeah, absolutely. Oh gee, you got to talk to people sometimes I would imagine in their sixties and seventies still don't know the first thing about money.
2: Oh, well, by the time they get that, uh, that age, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> You're 70 and you haven't figured it out yet. Uh, I don't know that there's there's not a lot of hope left, but I think <laughs> I think when you're in your 50s, and I, I I think people I think people throw in the towel a little too early. You know what I mean? Like if you're 45 or 50 or 55, and you say, "Well, I haven't done the right stuff yet," like it's too late. You know, the power of, power of compounding works pretty well, so so you still have lots of time. Um, I would tell somebody if you're 70, like you can do it but it would be a lot tougher. (laughs) You've had 70 good years. It's time for some 70 crappy ones and they're coming.
0: (laughs) I remember coaching some people in their seventies that had massive credit card debt, had had it their whole life, had tried and tried to get out of it. Never really learned that the key was having, you know, having a cash reserve and then going spend money
2: you don't have. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Going to that cash, cash lifestyle. Paula, when it comes to, to talking about money, you more about stealth wealth or more about, Hey, let's bring it up.
3: I think you can do both. I don't think they have to be in conflict with one another. When you say talk about money, there's the kitty and piggy example that you just mentioned, the bitches get riches example, where people aren't disclosing what their income is. And as a result, others are getting underpaid.
0: Should we talk and about so that? Have- Let's start there. Should we talk about that? Should we be open about how much money we're making?
3: Yeah, I do. Yes. I, I think so. Yes. Uh, if, you're, if you're comfortable with it. Um, when I started like getting into the world of personal finance, websites and and books and podcasts i entered into this world where uh people are often very open about what they make so you know somebody'll say hi i'm a software engineer i make what 120,000 a year or whatever you know um and that was the first time that like my calibration of what was a lot changed when i heard uh you know what other people were making So, yeah, I think it's it's important. You know, a person can if if they're not exposed to real numbers, they can go their entire life living uh, with expectations that are in the wrong order of magnitude. That's interesting.
0: Hassan, when you're trying to talk to people about money, is there anything that's off topic or is it all on the table?
4: I think it's pretty much on the table. It's just about, you know, knowing who you're talking to and understanding, you know, um, the person that you're talking to. So, we definitely um you know like to talk about the entire financial situation, and I was actually just certified to um teach personal finance, so I've been teaching some classes um every Friday to a group of about six or seven teenagers and things oh so, cool yeah, we talk about talk about pretty much everything man. yeah is there what what are people
0: that age most interested in? What do you find surprises you?
4: I oh, it's still the same things from when I was Pretty much. Besides crypto, they're 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 definitely interested in this cryptocurrency game and learning more about that and really diving into that because that's all that's you know pretty much talked about now on social media. But uh, a lot of the same things that they're spending their money on, man, you know, shoes, clothes, eating out, um, parties, and different things like that. So my biggest thing when I'm talking to them is not telling them, "Hey, don't you eat out? Hey, don't you spend money on clothes? Don't you do this?" But it's more of Meeting them where they're at. Okay, don't go out and buy the two hundred dollar Jordans. Go buy, a, you know, a, a pair of shoes for a hundred dollars, and invest the other hundred dollars. You know what I mean? So it's more of having a balance instead of okay, we're just spending, 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 spending. No, let's save. You know, twenty dollars here, thirty dollars here, and just keep on building upon that.
0: I love this idea that Hassan talks about, OG, about meeting them where they're at.
2: Yeah, especially especially as you're getting started, right? Because everybody's in a different spot. Everybody comes with different uh baggage. Can we say baggage? Everybody has different baggage with money and history and, and experience and and um you know, I always think that when people recognize that they uh are looking for counseling, whether that's uh you know, in a, a formal advisor planner relationship or it's more informal, like it's listening to Stacking Benjamin's or or whatever, they're doing so because they're seeking to get more information to make better decisions. So it doesn't make anybody feel better if you spend a lot of time telling them about all the stuff they made bad decisions on before. Because people don't generally make bad decisions. They make the best decision they think they can with the information that they have. They just don't have all the information. And uh, you know, we're trained to think you get out of school and you have to get a fancy apartment or you have to buy a new car or you have to get a house or you have to get married or like whatever, whatever your upbringing has been kind of points you in that direction. So you go, okay, well, I don't know. Grandpa said the best thing it's the house. So I should buy a house right away. And then, and then you get a job transfer. And now you have a house that you can't do anything with because it's during the middle of a recession, you know, and like just weird stuff happens. It's not because they made a bad decision. It's just because, They didn't have all of the information. They made the best decision that they could with the information that they had. So so wherever you are from a personal finance standpoint, whether you're way down the field or just getting started, I think if you're helping counsel people in that uh, informally, like through podcasts or, you know, blog articles that we talk about or formally, you know, just be kind. You know, people are where they are and.
0: Yeah. And it's like, you know, and Hassan alluded to this earlier too, that that judgment thing is a two-way street, right? I mean, it, sure. remembering not to judge people as you're helping them along. Don't judge where they're starting from.
4: A hundred percent because we were all there, you know, at one, at a one point of time. Right. And they're coming to us to get to where we're at. You know what I mean? So you can't judge the people that you're trying to help. You got to help them.
0: <laughs> the amazing uh, Paulette Perhatch joins us on stage. Paulette, uh, stealthy about your wealth or loud and proud?
5: Hey guys. Um, well, you know, I work very hard to hide my millions and I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. Um, you know, I have all my maids.
2: Yes. You've you've successfully uh... hidden it from yourself also.
5: Yes. I have, um, you know, have the labels cut the, uh, have the maids cut the labels off my, uh, fox hunting pantaloons and everything. But no, I have actually found that it was easier to talk about it when I was doing badly. Oh,
0: and which, which by the way, Paulette, doing, as you know, most people are most afraid of that, right? We don't want to show people that vulnerability.
5: Yeah. That's like what I've become the queen of. And then I'm like, Oh, what's my brand now that I'm not messing up left and right. But, you know, I think trying to share in a spirit of connection is what I go for where it's like you know, when you're doing well, it can be aspirational or it can make someone just feel bad. But it's like, I always try to share the like, Hey, this is going well. This is where I started, which is always a funny and terrible story. But you know, I feel like we have so much kind of well, you know, people wearing bags that say Fendi and it's like Fendi equals a thousand dollars. It might as well just say this purse costs a thousand dollars. So for me, it's all about trying to share in that spirit, but not necessarily like hiding it either I don't know but the the happiest I was with what I was making was when me and my coworkers were all making very little but we all knew how much each other made we all made the same amount so it was like this weird situation (laughs) where you know it's just like how do you compare what's your audience right like how do you compare with the people you're around and I think I think everyone wants to be on that equilibrium with with our community you know and I, I especially feel being a creative writer that's also an entrepreneurship, like, I have this kind of starving artist gaze over my shoulder where it's like, don't become too successful, which is like right. not, not a concern right now. But like, you know, it's like, we, we hold on to that starving artist award. You know, like, oh, I'm a serious artist if I have no money. Right. So, yeah, it can be, it can be fraught in a lot of different communities.
0: It's, it's funny, Paul, that we know having Corey Mintz on who worked in the restaurant industry, him talking about mm-hmm. the same thing in kitchens, right? That in mm-hmm. kitchens, there's this, hey, I work 12 hours, I make less than minimum wage, and I'm a badass because of it. It's, it I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it isn't the same, but it definitely has a parallel.
5: Yeah. You know, there's, there is real capital and there's social capital. Right. And sometimes they can be in opposition.
0: Yeah. Paul, it's interesting what Paulette's talking about here. I love, you know, we've talked a lot on this show, as you know, about people don't know what to share. And I think she makes a great point when she talks about sharing your your F-ups, right? Sharing where you really screwed it up is a great place to meet people if you don't want to share your net worth or how much you make.
3: Yeah. And I think Paulette makes a great point in that, that what matters is that sharing is done in a spirit of connection. And if you can... If you can share your f ups in a way where you're um, you know there's humor in it you you know you're not asking for pity like you're're you're maybe you're telling a funny story and hopefully it also has some learning aspect to it like there's a funny story with some sort of moral at the end that people can learn from, but you're not being preachy like that's the attitude behind good sharing
1: yeah doug well, I was just how much of this is really driven culturally at least in Western cultures, if not just specifically American cultures of there's honor in the struggle. Like Paulette talked about the happiest she was. We were all making the same thing and it wasn't much. And, and we were all kind of, I'm reading between some of the lines, Paulette, you didn't say this, but sort of, we were all a little bit annoyed that we weren't making as much as we want. And there is honor in, man, I don't have much, but I'm trying. And there's this perception that as we have more, we're uh, coasting, we're on easy street and we're just you know, uh, living off the struggles of other people. And, and is that part of where that bad stigma comes from that makes us want to clam up a little bit when we do achieve those dreams we have, we do get the airplanes, we do get the Nespresso machines that cost a thousand bucks or whatever they are. Um, is that, what we're trying to avoid is that stigma that comes along with it, even though we may be busting our asses, even when we've reached, you know,
0: a, a pretty high level of socioeconomic status. Yeah. Hassan, Doug makes a good point that to some degree, this is a, this is almost a field goal. You got people on Paulette's end that are, you know, high-fiving each other because they're starving and other people lying about how much they have to keep up.
4: Yeah. And I'm definitely glad that she made that point. Cause I wanted to even ask her, um how does how do you think, um, Paulette, how do you think your coworkers would have reacted if you would have received a promotion in, in your scenario that you told?
5: Yes, I you know, I think that happens a lot in situations where a promotion comes up and then you're no longer part of the crew because now, <laughs> you know, so you know, I, I am obsessed with evolutionary psychology and what we all want, you know, and a lot of us want money to gain more acceptance, right? To have the things that other people seem to have. But then you have more than the people you want to connect with. And that's another way to be kind of rejected from, you know, the, your, your mini culture, your friend group, like whatever. So it's a, humans are, are a very interesting balance. Pretty
0: much you're screwed either way. <laughs>
5: Paulette, totally screwed. Yeah,
0: Paulette is evolutionary psychology the same as Doug being impressed with having opposable thumbs?
5: Yeah, and like how we can't get him to stop staring at him. We're like Doug. <laughs> we're we know. Yeah. They. Yep that was how it was yesterday. Like, so come
0: on, amazing. we're doing the show. And then, he, and then he has this fantastic insight here about kind of the, 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 goalpost of this. Well, uh, uh, let's wrap this up guys. And, and really what's our, so what here, if we're going to put a shiny bow on this, uh, we will have our guest of honor go last. Oh gee, how about you? Uh, how do we wrap up this topic?
2: I would just say, just make common sense decisions daily you know if you're trying not to attract a lot of attention of your peers or boss I, i'm surprised this never came up actually was was in the workplace as it relates to having more money than you're quote unquote supposed to can be detrimental to your career progression because you got more money than the boss oh or a pay raise for or a, or a bonus so you know be smart about those things but also i don't think that you have to shy away from who you are you know if you like Fancy wine, then buy fancy wine and you don't owe anybody an explanation as to why you got the $10 box of Franzia and not the $6 one. That's what you like is $10 box wine.
0: Yes. Yes. I absolutely own it. Uh, You know, I want to put the brakes on finishing this because that's an interesting topic. Hassan, let's ask you. You have more money than your boss. Your boss makes more, but you clearly have more. How do you navigate that to still stay in boss's good graces?
4: I'm glad you asked this. I was literally watching yesterday, um, Robert Greene, his uh, 48 Laws of Power. Yeah. And um, he was saying one of the laws was to not outwit your superior or something of that nature. And that's literally what I would do, especially if I'm already making more money than him or her. Oh, I'm just gonna play my role. You are gonna have
0: you you are gonna have stealth wealth in that situation.
4: Definitely, definitely. That's that's why we're here, man.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Paula, you agree with that? I'm trying to imagine what. And, and I, I don't mean to sound uh, well, whatever. I didn't,
0: yeah, I didn't call yeah. on you because you and I haven't worked for another person
3: in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't worked for somebody for another person since two thousand eight. So I think I might be a little too disconnected. To I really think. Answer that. I think though, Paula uh, Hassan's
0: point is right on because I think about Sun Tzu, the art of war, that the best battle is the one that's never fought. Right. So mm-hmm. if I can just avoid that battle at all costs, that's probably going to be best for me.
3: Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, and the other thing as I'm, I'm reflecting back on, um, I remember once we had at the newspaper that I worked at way back in the day, uh, there was an intern who she was probably in her late 40s or so. And she was independently wealthy. No one quite knew how. I, I guess the unstated assumption at the time was that she hadn't earned it herself. Um, no one really asked her about it, but that was sort of, at least in that one particular, that just might have been one single anecdotal case study, but at least in that one specific case, that seemed to be the unstated assumption. And so I wonder if in a situation where a person had more money than their boss, the like others would attribute that not to their own success but to some sort of external force.
0: And, and and also what happens in a salary situation, let's say that you are sharing your salary with somebody else and it gets back to the boss that you're the one who exposed the pay gap, right? Mm-hmm. That you're the that you're the one that exposed that. I mean, I've heard a lot of people don't share because they're afraid of losing their job.
3: Yeah, I mean I don't know what the what the various HR policies are. Um, but that, I don't know, might, might or might not be a fireable offense. I, uh, again, I haven't uh, been in that world, so I don't really know if that's if that's a social faux pas or if there's an actual regulation against it.
0: Yeah, Hassan, any thoughts about navigating that potential minefield?
4: I'm not too sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working my way out of corporate now, so <laughs> yeah. not, not, not too sure.
0: No, but that's a problem, OG. Uh,
2: yeah, that's a risk, right? I mean, I don't know how supportable that information is i think you know, paula said whether that's a fireable offense i guess you can get fired for anything right if you have if you work in a state that's got at will employment they just go, oh, you're not allowed to work here anymore without any explanation but if it's kind of sort of retribution you know i don't know that you can force people to to keep compensation a trade secret you know what i mean yeah so Agreed
0: yeah I think no. that uh, I think if you can draw a line back to the boss and that was the reason you were let go, yeah, you, you may have a you may have a good case there all right, oh gee, I think you already put your bow on it, right? Can we call it that?
2: Uh, yeah, considering we added five minutes, sure
0: absolutely. uh Paula, Paula, how about you? Uh, your big takeaway?
3: I would say anytime you're expressing money, whether that's in words or through your lifestyle or through a purchase, um ask yourself if you are doing it. For ego, or if you're doing it because it's a genuine extension of you. And I think if you're expressing money, however you define that, you know, speech, purchases, whatever, if you're expressing it in a way in which it's a genuine extension and it's not ego based, then you're probably, I think that's the guidepost that signals to you that it's probably okay. But if you're motivated by ego, um, then it's. Annoying.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, Hassan, you've got the last word here, my friend. Takeaway?
4: So, my big takeaway is just to really do what makes you happy. I love what, you know, what Paula said. If you're doing it for your ego, you know, that's another story. Like, but if you're doing it for a continuation of who you truly are, then go full out ahead. You know, do you. But that's the biggest thing is just being aware of, of your feelings, being aware of your situation, being aware of the people around you and how they. Um, you know, will, you know, be affected by or impacted by, you know, some of your decisions, you know, so that's going back to being aware of who you are and who's around. And that's pretty much the biggest thing that I would just want to leave everyone just having a balance, being aware of who you're around and definitely protecting your money and putting it in and, and you know, putting it up in you know, um, tax-advantaged uh, vehicles, you know, IRAs, Roth IRAs, different, you know, vehicles like that. And I'm sure we can get into that on another time. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, just, you know, protecting your money, protecting yourself and protecting your mental health. You know, that, that's something huge as well that comes with your finances. So just being aware and having a balance.
0: And I think that's a great place to leave it. Well, let's find out what all our contributors are doing, uh, where they live. Uh, OG, besides uh, texting Len earlier, what are you doing, my friend?
2: I wrote, I won the trivia, head by one, two weeks to go. Bring it, loser.
0: <laughs> I can't
2: can't wait to see what happens what, what, then. What am I doing? Uh, this today actually is... Uh, uh, a fun day. It's a coaching session. You and I both belong to the same coaching program and uh, today's my little coaching thing. So that's fun. And a uh, week to go in the work year for us. We, uh, we shut down the last two weeks of the year. Everybody gets to hang out with their families. So totally motivated for the next five days. Of work. <laughs> He's got 100% his
0: eye. present, got his eye on the prize. Paula, what's going on at the afford anything podcast?
3: On the Afford Anything podcast, we did an interview with Mr. Money Mustache. So if you have not heard that yet, that is a really fun interview. I've gotten great feedback. I wouldn't call it an interview, actually. I would call it a uh, just a really casual conversation. So um, Afford Anything podcast. And of course, every other episode, you, Joe, Joe High, join me to answer questions from the audience. And also, I have a joke. Oh, no. <laughs> did, did you hear about the guy who uh, invented the knock-knock joke? No. He won the Nobel Prize. Oh God. <laughs> oh, God. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: Oh, not loud enough.
3: In honor of today's trivia.
0: <sighs> yes. <laughs> nice. Oh, she's or this on fire. One. There we go. Hassan, uh, with all this hijinks going on, I don't know how you stood it. Congratulations for making it through your first Stacky Benjamin show and for carrying us today with, you know, with jokes like that, the bar's pretty low, Hassan.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm just happy to be here, happy to be around. Like I said, some like-minded individuals, so I I definitely enjoy myself.
0: Well, tell us what's going on at the FYI Fly, the podcast, and then I think you also, if you're not out with it, coming very soon, you've got an, an app, you've got a website coming. Tell me about what's going on.
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we have the FY Fly app and website that will be coming in early January. It will be an app where users will be able to budget their money, save their money and eliminate debt all into one app. So we're very um, happy about that. And we're also I'm actually about to have a meeting after I get off here with um, one of my partners. We're, We're doing our online curriculum. We are taking that to high schools and colleges and getting that implemented into the school's curriculum. So that's one of our big goals as well. And then also I am coming out with a book called from well, my first book called from college, to COVID 24 lessons learned during lockdown to increase your drive, destiny and dollars. So we're very happy about this. We just released our pre-release uh, on Amazon um, for black Friday. Awesome. And then, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then we'll be releasing, um, physical copies, audiobooks, and ebooks on January 4th.
0: Cool. And we just look it up on Amazon? We go to the search on Amazon?
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You just look up uh, from college to COVID, and it should be the uh, first thing to pop up. Yes, yeah, it's pretty much uh, 24 lessons that I learned from... Uh, going through college and and during COVID and having to graduate online and start my business. And then I also included 19 other lessons from uh, my podcast guests that I've interviewed over this year, year and a half. So it's a lot of great information for people to really realign and uh, refocus to become confident again in their ability to really execute.
0: Man, that's so great. You've got so many exciting things going on. It was great that we got to meet you at uh, FinCon. So happy that you were able to come on. And by the way, not only will we have all of Hassan's links, we'll have Paula's uh, uh, links and everything on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. All right, that's going to do it for today, team. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today?
1: Well, Joe, first, there are a ton of reasons to practice Stealth Wealth. Regardless of whether or not you choose to talk about your huge pile of Benjamins, finding ways to help your friends learn about money is a win-win. Second, want to talk about your airplanes, your wealthy zip codes, and fancy schmancy coffee machines? Hey, you do you. Go for it. The people who don't like it will say, bye and the people looking for free plane rides will stick around because, you know, they like you as a person. But the big lesson... If a Swedish krona is only eleven cents in American money, that IKEA Swedish meatball would be hella cheaper if we were eating them in Sweden. Road trip! Thanks to Paula Pan for joining us today. You'll find her podcast "Afford Anything" wherever you're listening to us today. Thanks to Asan Thomas from FYI Fly for being our guest today. You'll find his podcast wherever finer podcasts are found. Our show was written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who coaches writers to power their words, their work, and their earning potential. You can find her at thatwriterpaulette.com.
0: Welcome to the after Show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. what uh happens in the after show stay, stays in the after show and you know uh, uh I was with my friend uh uh Gwen Mers and paula you were with with Gwen as well uh back in Cincinnati. And I saw Gwen hanging out in the audience and, and it, it, it's been a while, Gwen, since you've told your story. I know that as you're listening to us here live, you're in what, a CVS parking lot?
6: Coming to you live from a CBS parking lot in suburban Missouri.
0: <laughs> it's so great. The fiery millennial herself, if you want to follow her on Twitter for a bunch of fun. But uh, something that wasn't fun was y- you have a Christmas story and tis the season for Christmas stories. So, so tell us about the amazing thing that happened with you and, and your And by the way, Paul, have you heard the story before? The Christmas story? No, I don't know. Gwen's Christmas story. Oh, gee, have you heard mm-hmm. the story? I don't think so. And Hassan, I don't think you've met Gwen. Have you, Fiery Millennial?
4: No, but I'm all ears.
0: Gwen, Hassan, Hassan, Gwen. There, there's our introduction. All right, Gwen, you've got the floor. Tell us a Christmas story, a a nice, happy
5: one.
6: Yeah, so there I was, you know, as a freshman in college. And I was very excited to make Toys R Us my career path. I was going to work at Toys R Us and climb the ranks and one day lead the company. But sadly, all my hopes and dreams are crushed when they fired me on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. Wow. So, so everybody, the
0: kids coming in, getting toys, everybody's happy. You're feeling the Christmas spirit and you're just about to go home to celebrate
6: Wait a minute, Joe. Have you been to a Toys R Us on Christmas Eve? (laughs) I mean, now you can't, right? But there are no children because the parents are buying last-minute presents. Good point. The, The hot presents of the year have been sold out since October. You have all of the parents who left it to the last possible second, and they're so stressed out and anxious about providing the best possible Christmas for their family that they yell at you and scream at you that there are no Zuzu pets because... That's what their precious darling prodigy want.
0: And it's, and, and it's completely your fault, Gwen, which is probably and why you got fired.
6: Totally my fault. So, you know, I'm just stressed out because people have been yelling at me that they don't have the, the right toys and they can't buy the right toys and they're just, ah, it's Christmas, ah, holly jolly Christmas. <laughs> and to put the, the, the topping on just the crappiest day ever they're like, yep, okay, well, you can leave now. And I'm like, cool, thanks. And they're like, just don't come back. or We don't need any more seasonal staff. Bye. You can collect your last paycheck in a week.
0: Oh, Oh, it's so painful. I shouldn't even laugh. And I don't know why the story just cracks. Maybe it's because it's just how horribly, horribly mean that was.
6: Yeah. How could they crush my poor 18-year-old self's heart like that? The funny part was, is that this was my second Christmas working for Toys R Us. And the first Christmas, they kept me on afterwards. And the agreement was when I came back for the second season, that I would also stay until I left for college like three weeks later because I was one of the few people who knew how to do returns and was fast at it. So not only did, you know, they earn my um, lifelong hatred but they also lost a really good employee. So they just shot themselves in the foot like eight times over.
0: And actually, that's probably why they declared bankruptcy, Gwen.
6: It's a wonder that, you know, they didn't be. make it. Yeah, anybody have seen that coming? <laughs> I,
0: I know you're on the road, Gwen, but thank you for, for sharing that story. Hassan, have you been fired before a holiday?
4: Uh, no. <laughs> no. He's, he's got
0: to think about it for a second.
4: Because <laughs> I'm thinking back to uh, my JC JCPenney days, but no. But I do remember working some pretty tough holidays and can definitely, um, you know, back Gwen on how hectic it is around those holidays, especially in retail.
0: Oh, gee, you worked at a place that, uh, I don't know if we leave this place nameless or not, but they always had a huge holiday crowd. Uh, do you see people get fired on the day before?
2: No. Um, I don't, I don't know what place you're talking about. The, I've the, to lots of places have huge holiday crowds.
0: The place in in the cheesiest town in Michigan. Uh huh.
2: Yeah. Okay. I know what you mean. Yes.
0: Uh no. By the way, one of my favorite towns in Michigan, but still one of the cheesiest towns. Little di- little different. Yes. Um, I'm
2: trying to think if I ever got canned from anything. I don't think so.
0: I got so. canned from the Tasty Freeze. Sounds I, about right. I was uh, cleaning out the fry vat and accidentally spilled oil all over the floor. That could have you know set the whole place on fire. And the, uh, man, the man, safety
2: safety violator, yeah
0: manager fired me uh, on the spot, and then the next day the uh, owner called and apologized uh, apologized and asked me to come back because oh, it doesn 't count no. did you uh, uh I did go back because I also found out that manager wasn 't there anymore, and I was fifteen Paula and really wanted a job, mm. and plus, I got free ice cream, Paula
2: so I bet that was pretty uh. It was pretty emotional. I bet you're like, "Oh, hey boss, I spilled the oh, my bad." He's like,
0: "Pack your stuff, you're fired." You're oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It was it, it. It was a woman, and she was not even nice about it. It wasn't even that she came back and she goes, "Who did this?" And I said, "I'm so sorry, it was me." She's like, "You're fired. Leave right now. We'll take care of it." I'm like, "What?" And she's like, "Yeah, you're out of here. You're done." I'm like, oh my god! Went home told like, my parents. Call and I my got mom fired.
2: for a ride.
0: Yes. Can I work for ten more minutes? Yeah, yeah, not good. Paul ever, ever. This is an up topic now. I know, oh. right?
2: <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Gwen, for bringing us down. Glad I asked you.
6: Hey, you know what? Anything I can do for you, Joe? <laughs>
3: say the word, <laughs> yes. and I'm there. Uh, uh, Paula, anything? Uh... Yeah, I got I got fired once from a server job, and it was my very was first day, first table. And my first table was actually this, this par- big party. It was, I think somewhere in the order of my, maybe f- six adults and like five kids. You're kidding me. At- your first table, it's 11 people. Yeah, exactly. And, and, exactly. It, and it was
0: your problem that you messed it up.
3: Exactly. Right. Right. And so, um, yeah, we had to seat them at two different tables and then I I took the drink orders from the adults, but then the kids placed the food order. So I brought the kids food out with the adults drinks, which means that then the kids had finished eating and they were antsy and restless and wanted to go home. And so then the, the grownups all left and they were, you know, like, uh, and so I didn't time it right. And so, yeah, I got fired after that very first table. Sure sign. There was nothing good in your future. I know, right? <laughs> Hassan,
0: I'll bet you've never been fired from anything.
4: No, not fired. But I do have a a story when I tried, attempted, keyword attempted, to work at a, at a Mexican, uh, Tex-Mex, Mexican restaurant uh, when I lived in Houston. And uh, after about two weeks, and it was funny because my mom told me, she was like, Hassan, you're not going to be good at that. Like just flat out serving is not really in your – because I'm not very, what's the word? Um, I, don't, I'm not, I don't move at a, at a very fast pace when it comes to things I really don't want to do, <laughs> 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 to say it nicely. So just working at this Mexican restaurant, it, a lot of the people that were working there, their tempos were extremely fast. I mean, extremely fast. They're walking around, moving around, carrying all these different, you know, plates and different things like that. And I was just walking my pace, just chilling. And and one time I knew the job wasn't for me when I literally spilled water on like my, I think this was like my fifth or sixth guest.
0: Oh, no. And,
4: <laughs> so I was, I, I, I had two, the lady told me you can't bring uh, the, the water, you can't bring the drinks with your hand. You have to put them on. The um,
0: yeah, the, the tray, carrier. yeah, yeah
4: the, the tray, and I wasn't too good even the tray at that time. So I was trying to tell her like, I'd rather just carry these, but she was telling me no, and I, and I was like, okay. So I walked out with them, and then I leaned down to put one water on the uh on the woman's um, side of the table, and then when I leaned down to do that, the other water fell on the gentleman. Oh my goodness! Oh uh, well,
0: luckily it was just water. <laughs>
4: True, true. Not red fruit punch or something like that.
0: Yeah. Doug got accused of that the other day. He came in and he said somebody spelled Woodford all over him, which was which was horrible.
4: Oh, man. <laughs> Otherwise,
0: I would never have smelled like that. No, you would have never smelled like that.
4: <laughs> and this is a bit off topic, but I will say, Doug, that you have one of the greatest podcast voice
0: Oh my God! You're Ever. damn right, I do, Hassan.
1: <laughs>
4: Ever we
0: gotta we gotta end the show on that. Holy, there
4: goes God. his ego. Yeah, it,
0: it's time to stop <laughs> recording right now.
4: <laughs> God. I mean, he's up there with the Allstate guy. The guy <laughs> who does the Allstate commercials, <laughs> like.
0: Hassan. Please stop. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no! This <laughs> oh, episode's please. not long enough. <laughs> oh God, no, no! It's like you got the tire pump going right in his ear, just inflating <laughs> that head. <laughs> yeah. Why? Hey, thank man. you.